3: Crime, LGBT thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts:
4: Eric Shapiro, David North, Martino,
0: John Copenhagen, and Al Warren.
3: 106.5
2: FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside.
0: And 1050
5: AM Palm Springs. We're going to be talking true crime here, and we've got one of the good ones. One of the great ones. And uh, she's got a new book out called She is Evil. And it's Madness and Murder in Memphis. I, I kind of think that's all sense at all, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a given. It's a given. And uh, with us uh, is Judith Yates. She's live from Planet of the Yates.
4: <laughs> you stealer. You lying stealer. I know. I had to. I
5: had to. And <laughs> yeah. I heard that. I thought it was so funny. Um, Burl um, had that on his show. He uh, Outlaw Radio, and he kept on saying Planet of the Yates. I thought that was... <laughs>
2: that was like, you damn <laughs> dirty Yates. <Yeah. eight." laughs>
4: <laughs> I have been called that before, it's no big deal.
2: Yeah, just another
5: day. Uh, well, th- so thank you for being here. This is a great honor to have you
4: Thank all. you. My two favorite guys in radio. Well,
5: we're the only two guys in radio, everybody else is
3: left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go. Go. yeah, you
4: know, I, I'm sitting here on, on hold and I'm listening to you guys and I am so trying not to just shriek with laughter and, and ruin your little back and forth there. But if you don't mind, I do have several things to say on your on your what about this? If you don't mind, <laughs> no, go ahead.
5: I always love the end. Okay. Well,
4: I, I think it's really frightening that you know, like this slapper guy. I don't know any of these cases because I've just been so so buried in the in the, in this book right now. But I think it's really sad that now we are turning you know, so much of society is turning themselves into reality TV. Yeah you know, where anybody can be a star for 10 minutes or or what have you. And I also, I don't trust anything celebrities say per se because they have these uh, managers and and such that will say for them. You know what I'm saying? Oh,
3: yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of
4: things. Yeah. And then third, the whole Bill Cosby thing, (laughs) I've been through three sexual harassment cases in my career. And it will destroy you. It will ruin you, and emotionally, physically, financially. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if he did it. I don't know. I wasn't, you know, I'm not any part of that. And I don't like to make a judgment or um, such, unless it's really good, like, say, Michael Jackson case. But <laughs> I, I feel for, I feel for the women, should they be telling the truth, because it is hard. And one of the cases I went through, I didn't. um, I didn't make an outcry. I didn't talk to anyone until almost a year afterward, when they started doing the formal investigation. Simply because it will and can destroy people's careers, their livelihoods, their finances. So you know, I can understand why someone would not make the outcry sooner. And you know, who knows what really happened? Really, because so much can be left out of the trial. And, you know, one of the things that when I was writing um, my book, When Nashville Bled, is the um, defense attorney wanted, when when the victims uh, that were left made their victim impact statement, one of them said, losing his wife, he said, it made me feel less of a man because I couldn't protect her. And they wanted that kicked out because it was inflammatory. Now, they've already got the guy for how many murders, you know, brutal murders, and yet he can't say that. So I really, you know, things come out in the courtroom or don't. I I also look at that with a very jaundiced eye because I just, you know, maybe I just don't trust anybody. I don't know. But... Yeah. I, that's, that's my, you know, 35 yeah. cents plus on that.
5: No, I mean, it's true, and it's true enough. You know, when you get into these uh, trials, especially televised ones, and, and the thing like Bill Cosby, I mean, we're never really going to know. Um, we just hear so many bits and pieces. Um, but, you know, more than likely, with that many women, he he was doing something. And, there are, you know, what? however they took it, however he, you know, who knows? Just one of those things, um, I, I, you know. Well, I mean, look at the Michael.
4: Look at the Michael Jackson case. A lot of these um, parents of the children knew it's, what was going on, or yes. at least had an inkling of what's going on. But you know what? He's Michael Jackson. We got a free trip to Disney. Good so, now. yeah, you
3: know. Yes,
2: they they kept you know exposing their children to the danger.
4: Right.
5: Yeah, a right. little bit of and money and Jesus juice, and you got it made.
4: <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know. And don't forget the chimp yeah. You got to yes.
2: you your Yes, can play with the monkey yeah. and the and, that, and the
4: chip too. And that comes from the planet of the eight. Yes, yeah, there you go.
5: <laughs> Live breaking news. You know, uh, yeah, it's just it's just craziness. We we kind of make fun of some of these trials because uh, it's almost silly sometimes. How, how far they go. They are going to retry Bill Cosby. They're going to
2: do it again. So. Now, it, it it has to be different charges, though. Be, otherwise, that is double jeopardy.
5: No, because it was a hung trial. They can retry him.
4: That's true. Yeah. Oh. That much I remember. Yeah.
3: yeah.
5: It, it was going
2: uh, I'm gonna sort of skip that pun, but.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, boy, you got dirty mind today.
4: He does. Oh, I'm. I'm uh, I need to take a shower after this show. <laughs> you're, you're
5: getting line the whole. The, everybody does, even the people that listen. <laughs>
4: Feel <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm back in the boys' locker room, listening to all this banter and sadness mm-hmm. and madness.
5: And oh yeah, you know. <laughs> but you're right about that. You know, the Spokane Slapper is a guy that did it just to make the news. It kind of reminds me. Uh, do you think maybe they're they're heading into this? You know, the guy that was the Facebook killer. You know, he had to kill live on Facebook, and now you got Spokane Slapper going around slapping people so that he can go get on TV and become famous. I, I, well, I, I, I well I think that's kind of like, they're almost doing it to be on TV.
4: But we make criminals famous. The OJ trial, think how many movie stars we got out of that. You know, the Michael Jackson trial, God, that was a country of its own. And you know, we, we Charles Manson, you know, people know Charles Manson's face before they recognize the Senator's face. And or you know who is the vice president I don't know but Charles Manson killed Sharon Tate you know we make him famous the media makes him yeah
5: and we, we tend to focus more on the killer than the uh, victims as well yeah we sensationalize the crime yeah because yeah. you couldn't tell me any of the well maybe well, with Charles Manson you can because they, they you know Sharon Tate was famous but how many of the others could you say uh, and could you name the Zodiac victims can you name any of the victims from major crimes, even the um, Boston Strangler, or any of those, you don't. You, we just focus on the killer,
4: right? And again, you know, look how much people are paying for, you know, letters or thumbprints, or you know, even a drop of blood thumbprint from serial killers on in prison. You know, it's crazy. And and I've seen the crazy thing. I think I saw was. Foot scrapings, oh. <laughs> actual calluses scrapings. scraped off the serial killer's foot, and they were going for several hundred dollars.
3: Wow.
2: Why? Why? Why would you? You know, I I, I know why, but <laughs> that's that's just a little bit too far for me.
5: Well, if that you know, if that of like, chick wouldn't have married Charles Vanson, I would have went for it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> and I,
4: you know, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of strange, crippled stuff for sale, and and people bragging about you know. I have a blade of grass that was on the lawn of, you know, Cielo Drive when Sharon Tate was murdered. You know, it's just again, we we just sensationalize and and make these people movie stars. And I mean, I'll go back to my my other book, Paul Dennis reads people you know there was uh, a reporter who contacted the jail where he was being held before trial and said are we allowed to send him um you know candy fruit and nut and cheese trays a, a basket of fruit for him <laughs> no no stupid you cannot send him that <laughs> And okay, but did anybody offer to send, you know, the Jacksons or, you know, Steve left behind, three little kids and, and a wife. Did anybody offer to send them a fruit basket that was from you know the media? No, they pounded on their windows and yelled questions through the door, you know? Yeah. So it's just it's bizarre. It's just the hype of bizarre to me. And nobody
5: sent me a fruit basket.
4: They didn't <laughs> No. Okay, first thing I'm gonna do when I get off
5: his phone. <laughs> I'm gonna <to, laughs> get on
4: uh fruits or us
5: and something <laughs> free. Yeah, I have an account there. Fruit fruits are yeah. Fruits are Yeah, I'm a regular. <laughs> so so now you got the new book under Wild Blue Wild Blue Press, uh, She is Evil. So I do? what drew you to this case in particular?
4: Well, I've been a domestic violence prevention educator for over 25 years, and this case did intrigue me because it was a female-to-male case, female being the the violent one the male being the victim, and that is so very rare. And also, you know, I have friends who are Muslims, I have friends who are from the Middle East, and I really have hated the last few years how we have, uh, the society has, put Muslims and Middle Easterns all being lumped together as terrorists. And they never show the positive side. You know, that's like saying, um, you know, what's his name? Um, The Westboro Baptist Church represents all Baptists or all Christians. You know, it's wrong. It's wrong. And I was flipping through, I I was working on another article on female inmate pen pals what they write versus what they did. And I came across Leah Ward's uh, photo. And first of all, I don't, I don't trust anybody that smiled in a mugshot. <laughs> uh,
3: it's
4: kind of like, like an extra mistrust, you know. Um, and it intrigued me. And I thought, okay, she's saying I'm beautiful on the inside, I'm beautiful on the outside. Something's up. And that's how I came across it. And so it all just kind of fell in together.
2: Sounds sounds just a, a, a tad bit like Jodi Arias. Ugh, I wouldn't
4: write anything on Jody Arias. No, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, the the, the <laughs> ego, the ego for sure. So, yeah. what's the yeah. basis
5: of the story? Maybe maybe give us some of the points of what happened.
4: Leah Ward was born in 1976, and it was a very small set, southern town in Tennessee. And Leah started exhibiting really bad behavior beginning in about the fifth grade. She was doing a lot of fighting. She was writing sexually explicit notes to grown men and boys, keeping a journal about her sexcapades. Um, she was skipping school. She was using a lot of drugs and alcohol. And she was just this habitual liar. Now, she goes to prison for um, drugs, for for carrying and selling, and etc. cetera. Ijallabad was born in 1962 in Salasbad, and his family worked very hard and built up prosperous businesses. And his mother uh, came into his room one late night and said, I have been saving money back for you to go to America and, and make your dreams come true. And she died in his arms after she told him that. So he oh,
3: wow. had already
4: had a bachelor's. Yes, he had a bachelor's degree already in engineering.
3: Well,
4: so to fulfill his mother's dying wish, he goes to the United States, becomes a legal citizen, gets another degree. He works very hard. Um, Ishaj was, was one of those Renaissance guys. He knew several languages, uh, very educated. He ran several successful businesses, um, and he was, he was a very devout Muslim which means no drugs and alcohol, um, help others in your community, respect your wife and family, uh, worship in, in the mosque on, on regular, you know, worshiping schedules. Mm-hmm. And he was just an all-around good man. He met someone, um, they married uh, twice, actually, and he had a son that he just adored. And he took his son to father's side to meet the relatives. And while he was there, he taught Jordan the son about his culture, about his history, about his people. And Jordan went to mosque. And it's interesting because you know Jordan went to mosque and and became a Muslim. And at the same time, his mother and his grandmother were taking him to the Church of the Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. So, Jordan's getting us all around. Yeah, he's getting us all around education here. Well, Leah meets Ejaz in 2002. Leah had um, been out of prison a while. She was on parole, four months only of parole to do. And she meets Ejaz through a mutual friend who is giving Ijaz this sad story. She has no place to live. She's on the street. She's hungry. If somebody would just give her help. Well, of course, as part of his religion, Ijaz says, well, yes, you know, I I will help you. Ijaz was kind of the go-to guy if someone needed something. You know, he was was very kind to his friends, and if they needed a car, well, then he would loan them or he would, you know, sell them a car for a buck or something. If they needed a job... That he'd find them a job in one of his many businesses. So he tells Leah, well, I have a uh, rental property open because that's one of his businesses, and uh, you can stay there. Not knowing that Leah did have a home in Memphis, she was living at a halfway house, and she was still married. She had two children, but she didn't bother. Oh, and of course, right out of prison, drug and alcohol use, she didn't bother selling the jobs, any of this. So he sets her up in a rental property and then gets to thinking and goes and gets her and says, I don't want you living here because it's a dangerous neighborhood. And he moves her into his house, but he explains, I can't live with you because I can't, you know, be under the same roof as a woman, not my family or my wife. He goes and lives with a friend. Meanwhile, he's paying for Leah's education. He's bought her a car. Anything Leah wants and needs to help her just get on her feet, Ijaz is providing. And this is, you know, strictly out of kindness. Now, of course, Ijaz is also providing for his friends. He's got a mechanic that doesn't know what the hell he's doing under the hood, but he really needs a job. So Ijaz says, okay, well, you can, you know, do change tires or change oil or whatever. And he's also, you know, helping to raise his son. So, taking care of Leah wasn't only, just the only thing Ijaz was doing. And eventually he tells Leah, well, perhaps we can learn to love one another. They marry in a Muslim ceremony. Leah doesn't bother telling him, again, that she is married. And the abuse just keeps rolling, you know. Um, She was physically abusive. She'd shove him. She'd punch him. Um, She was stealing his money. She was draining his bank account. Ijaz was very wealthy, and he kept cash in the house also. Well, that started disappearing. He had a a prize coin collection that disappeared. And, you know, one by one by one, and Ijaz is is telling his friends he made a terrible mistake, and he doesn't know what to do. And she's playing all kinds of reindeer games with him um, through her workplace and, and also, you know, personally. He, she accuses him of cheating everywhere he turns, even though his friends are saying Ijaz will not cheat on his wife. First of all, he wouldn't, and secondly, it's against his religion. And again, remember, he's a very devout Muslim. So, finally, Ejah says, you know, I've had enough with her. And he takes her to a very nice hotel in Memphis and says, you know, basically, you're, you're on your own, I can do no more. He gives her a bunch of money. He comes back home, and Leah's burglarized his house.
3: Oh,
2: crap. It didn't take her long.
4: Nope. Nope. So he calls his uh, ex-mother-in-law, who is like his mother, his mother figure to him, and he says, I don't know what to do. I've got to get out. And he says to Ernestine, that woman is evil. She is evil. And that's the last thing anyone who loved Ejaz heard him say. And, you know, there, there are two stories going. Leah, according to Leah, he beat on her and he tore up the house and kicked through a door. Um, but in April 2003, Ejaz goes missing. And she's giving several different stories to several different people. You know, oh, he's in West Memphis picking up a car. Oh, you just missed him. He's in North Memphis. Oh, you know, he he was uh, at a friend's house. He was at the mosque. And see, Ijaz didn't have a cell phone.
3: Oh.
4: And finally, she starts telling people, Oh, he went back to uh, Father's Father to visit family. Okay, that doesn't make sense because Ijaz, after 9-11, Ijaz would not travel as much as it hurt his heart to not see his family because every time he and his friends would go to the airport, you know, they'd get stopped or they get questions or they are and he just did not feel safe. Yeah. And they and meanwhile, uh Leah is selling everything that she can out of that house. Um, she packs up everything else and puts it in a storage room. Let me back up, I'm sorry. Um prior to Ejaw's getting rid of her, she says, Oh, by the way, I broke my probation and I've got to go back to jail for a few months. He didn't even know she was on probation. So that's when he took her to the hotel. He gave her the money and said, see ya, you know. And people were saying, Ijaz, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you just kick her out? And he said, she has two little children. So he was kind up to the end. And uh, so she breaks into his house. April, he goes missing. And on May 1st, Leah checks into a federal holding facility in Mason, Tennessee, so she can begin the next few months incarcerated. And at the same time, Ijaz's ex-mother-in-law and his son, Jordan, who is 10, goes to his house to find out, okay, this is it. We want to know what is going on with Ijaz. And that's when they find his body in the back shed of his home, and she beheaded him. She removed the penis and scrotum area, and he's been dead for some weeks.
2: Oh, good God.
4: And on May 5th, she was questioned. She admitted to murder. And yet she gives this long, drawn-out story about it was all self-defense, you know. He kicked down the door. He smashed the window. Well, you know, when they went through that home upon the initial arrival, nothing had happened to any of the doors, no sign of a break-in, no sign of a door being smashed, and that's internal and out external. but internal and outside. No windows smashed. You know, nothing um, that shows a sign of a struggle. But she has taken just about everything. And she's also cut some pieces of carpet out of the floor, and she has wiped down the bathroom. Now, what's interesting is they find out later that while Ijaz's rotting body is in the bathroom, she's been having parties over there.
2: Oh. And, and, And nobody noticed this? Nobody thought. I mean, how do you hide a body in the bathroom during a party?
4: My only thought is a bunch of meth heads. Don't question <laughs> <crush it. laughs> you know. And she uh, was telling people that the refrigerator had gone out and she had a bunch of meat in there and it all went rotten and that accounted for the smell. The, again, you know, jokes aside, the only thing I can figure out is was a bunch of people doing, buying, selling, dealing drugs, and you know, there's the story. Yeah how how long
0: did, and, he,
5: did he, how long did it take for him to marry her? But like, how long did they know each other?
0: Um,
4: it wasn't long. You know, I mean, it wasn't the next day, but it it was. Uh, weeks, you know, several months, and again, I think, and and according to his loved ones, Ijaz really wanted a family. He wanted the American dream to be complete. A wife, children, a nice house, you know, um, someone to come home to, someone to worship with, and I I really believe that that's what he was, you know, Leah had two children, Ijaz had uh, Jordan, and my thought is he
3: was probably thinking a blended
1: family, you know, just, you know, kids and, and homes we hope. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
2: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
5: Did any of his family come over from Pakistan to uh, meet her?
4: No, because again, you have to think, you know, after 9-11, travel was so difficult for anyone from the Middle East. Of course, again, we're lumping everybody together here. Um... And also, you know, some of them just didn't have the money. Now he had a brother that was a jeweler, and he was a sister who had a sister who was a uh, dressmaker. So he would go to Follow Spot and buy up uh, items and gifts for his loved ones, and come back. And then that's what he was selling. He had a store, and so he was selling authentic um, trinkets and goods and such. One of the things he sold was swords. No. And that's what Leah says she used to decapitate him.
5: <clears throat> wow, well, did she give a reason why she actually killed him?
4: No, the only thing that she will tell people is it was in self-defense. It was either him or her. Um, he was choking her to death. She has a gun in her hand, out of you know, and shoots him twice. Yeah. And it just, this story just doesn't jive. No. You know, mm. I mean, I I searched and I searched and I talked to hundreds of people. I even talked to, you know, his ex-wife who had grown up in a, in a violent relationship um, with her father, who had grown up in an uh, abusive relationship with her first son's husband and her mother, who had been in abusive relationships. They would certainly know you know, the signs and the symptoms and such. Nobody said at any time would Ejaz have put his hands on a woman, have um, pushed her, kicked her, choked, punched, any of the above. And I truly do not believe Ijaz was abusive.
5: Wow. And then she cut his he- head off. Now, what was the significance of that?
4: Leah claims that She had closed the body up in the bathroom for a couple of days, and then when she opened it, there were, she said there were worms coming out of his head. So she cut it off. I'm wondering if it also had to do with, you know, when when you're a Muslim, you have to be buried whole. And I wonder if that wasn't kind of a stunning her nose at his religion and him. And I also think that, uh, she had, there were, there were marks on the femur head where she had tried to, it looked like, remove the legs. And so I'm wondering if she didn't think, well, she was just going to part out the body and throw it in various and sundry places, and no one would ever know. But it's, you know, doing something with somebody on on TV and the movies is always so easy. You know, shoot once, they fall over dead, um, chop up the body, and it's so easy. And I don't think she realized that it was a lot of work, not to make a light of it, of course. I just think that she thought it would be very easy, and that's what she was going to do. And when it wasn't very easy and her, her report date was coming up, she put him in the shed.
2: Mm. Well, Judith, you know, we've we've been talking a lot about about her, and we've painted Ijaz to, to, to be a very sympathetic, a very kind, a very giving man. And to some ex- some extent, we've also kind of painted him as a very naive man. Yeah. But cer- certain things aren't, aren't clicking for, for me legally. Uh, for example, how... Do you suddenly decide that you're going to marry a woman and, and not do a little bit of research on her or, or ask her, you know, have you been in you know, any type of legal trouble or, you know, are you in any trouble or, hey, where's the father to these children? And whenever they applied for a marriage license, wouldn't it already show that she was p- currently already married?
4: No, because it was a Muslim ceremony,
2: so
3: and, you know, they don't about, have to think apply. About,
4: think about how often this occurs in society. The okay, let's let's reverse rules. The female meets the man. He's such a great guy. He's this. He's that. You know. After a while, they decide that, or they're going to cohabitate or they're going to be married. How many women actually sit down and say, "Okay"? Do you have a history of abuse? Have you been married before? Have you ever hit anyone? Um, are you? Uh, have you ever had any legal trouble? You know, how many women really do that?
2: Mm. Uh, to, you know, touche. I'll, I'll give you that one, but it, it should come <laughs> up in. in, in well, it, but it, it should come up in, in conversation. No. I I mean,
4: realistically. Mm-hmm. Leah told Ejaz that she was married, and she had to divorce him and get out of that marriage because he was abusive, and he hit her, and he used drugs, and one night he put her in the hospital, he beat her up so bad, and she had to run and hide at her parents' house. You know, and, and really, again, how many people believe and again you reverse the roles and you know this guy is telling the woman oh my parents were mean and I've never had a break and I wish someone would just give me a break and love me because I've never had that before you know honestly too too many women are going to be oh my god I'm going to save him or you know well he hit me but he loves me or, well, he had a bad childhood. You know, his wife is a, is a, his ex-wife is a complete and total bitch, and I'm not, and it's going to work. You know, too many people do that. And it just so happens that this time the role is reversed, per se.
2: Yeah, the, the rescuer syndrome.
4: Right, and, you know, part of his religion is you go into your community and you try your, your own little ways to make things better. Plus, you know, Ijaz had all of these businesses. You know, he had his shop. He had his restaurant. He had the, the car where you purchase a car, have it fixed and resell.
1: Uh, he had these
4: rental properties going on. So, you know, it's not like he was also sitting around thinking, I wonder if we had wine, you know. Mm. Because True. she was the slick one, you know. She knew what to say, how to say. She could size people up in a heartbeat. And I believe that the man who introduced them, he knew how Ajaz was. And you know, she goes into his house. She sees nice things. Uh, she sees all of these very expensive things uh, laying around. And it's like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to go for this.
2: Yeah, the perfect victim, mm-hmm. and 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 some friend. Uh, I'm air quoting friend that introduced him to her. Right? Do you do you think that maybe the friend knew really how she was?
4: Yes. Yes. Is. So the so he was kind he was kind Ijaz. of set up. Oh yeah, I believe it. The friend did some work for Ijaz, and if he was hanging around Leah, something shady was going on. And mm. I could you know I can. Really see it after because you know when you're biting when you've spent several years involved in these people's lives and talking to other people and doing your records research, you can really see you know what happened here. And I'm sure you know ejaz did have a temper. He did a lot of yelling when he was mad. But as far as hands-on, no, I don't believe it.
5: So, so what I happened see. to her? Did she get uh, put away for life or? What's the outcome for her?
4: She did. She is serving time in the Tennessee Prison for Women here, uh, just outside of Nashville. Um, She is serving um, life sentence for first-degree murder, and, you know, the the Tennessee prisoners are only eligible for 15% reduction of their 60-year sentences for good behavior, and when you're doing life, that means 60 years in Tennessee. And as they're accumulating this good time for the work and good behavior and all of this, um, they'll take off time on their sentence. Well, Leah's already blown that because she's been in fights. She had a dangerous weapon. She, you know, is not good about following the rules. So assuming her record would be clean, Leah could be released in 2059, and she'd be 83 years old. But Leah's record is not clean already. So... You know, she's, she's there
5: for a lot of the rest of her life. Well, what happened to all of his stuff, like his businesses, the house, money and that? Did, you, did she get it all or did someone else get it?
4: No, I'm not, you know, I'm honestly, I'm not sure about those the properties, the cars and the houses and such. Um, but I do know that a lot of things that Ejaz, were dear to Ejaz, um, are sold and, and have disappeared. For example... He had a beautiful ring that he wore that when um, Jordan was going to get old enough, he was going to turn it over to Jordan. Well, she pawned that. Now, that's what's interesting. You know, this ring was worth, you know, probably around $1,000, and she got 40 bucks for it.
2: Oh, my God. That just pisses you off. <laughs>
4: it just
3: pisses you off.
4: But the beautiful thing is the ring, he got the ring back. So he does have a few mementos of his father, some furniture, you know, a lamp, uh, a headboard, those kinds of things. But she pawned or sold or gave away or traded so, you know, just almost all his stuff. Just, and, and especially things like, again, jewelry and, and artwork and um, the swords and all the things from, you know, uh, Pakistan that he brought over.
2: Wow. Now what? So, yeah. Now has she has
4: the
2: him. has right. the family spoke out on this, and and what do they say?
4: Is y'all the family, yes. Um, I really, you know, got to know them. Uh, I count them as friends. They're wonderful, wonderful, just salt of the earth people. And if someone, you know, if the family says no, I don't want this book written, then I won't do it. You know, for example, in, in When Nashville Bled, the Paul Dennis Reed book, I went to every family of every victim, and I said, if one of you says no, I'm not going to do this. And they all agreed that the victims deserved their story told. Yes. And the same with Ijaz, is his family here said Ijaz's story needs to be told because nobody's done it. You know, with the exception of, of being on the stand nobody's really gotten to tell Ejia's story. And Leah's been on, I don't know, one of those snapped or I shot the sheriff or one of those stories. Yes. And she has told her story, but only her story about Ejaz being abusive and hitting her and choking her. And that's a lie. And so he deserves his story told.
2: Now, that that's a good point. Uh, let, me, let me chase this rabbit real quick, Judith. Do you think... It, given given some of the women on men violence that we've seen, uh, for example, we were off air. We were talking about Julia Arias. Um, you've got Lorena Bobbitt. Um, you've got Amy Bishop. Uh, you've got all these cases. Uh, me and Al did the Stiletto uh, murderer. Do you think that the abusive man card is being overplayed and therefore in the future we're literally going to you know almost the boy who cried wolf there's going to be a real situation of we're going to be like oh god here it is again the he beat me award
4: no I really don't Um, first of all the percentage of women who will be in a violent relationship is overwhelming. And these are the numbers that we know of. You know, 50% of women in the United States are going to marry or date or cohabitate with someone who's abusive. And 25% of those will marry, legally marry the abuser. When I taught high school uh, criminal justice, I had so many girls come to me saying they were afraid of their boyfriend, or he slapped them, or he threatened their family. And I don't believe that the rate of female on male abuse is anywhere near men on men on women. And then when I say 50% of women, that doesn't mean male-female relationships. It can mean female-female relationships.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: But the numbers are outstanding. You could take a jumbo jet, fill it with women, you know, every month and crash into the ocean and that is not going to equal the number of women who have been abused or have been killed by their abuser. And there are too many women in prison who did kill out of self defense, but because of the times or the finances or you know, even attorneys or, or history, they're still sitting in
3: prison.
2: Yeah, now by by no means am I downplaying and the atrocity of spousal abuse, but it right. seems it, it seems like the, that card is being played so many times, and these women get on the stand, and they are so convincing. And, and partially because I believe that you know, if you're willing to kill somebody, like in this case, she decapitated the poor man and you know mutilated his genitals. You know that's sociopathic behavior, psychopathic behavior. But they're so convincing, and then you find out that it's not true. And that can cast doubt for a later case down the road where it is.
4: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And do I believe the I was a victim because he abused me card is being overused? I I don't know. You know, I'm not that familiar with these cases. I've never done a study on it. Um, so I can't. I don't feel right in, in making a comment on that. Now I will say that if you read Leah's letters, because we corresponded for a while, you would think that she is such a sweetheart, and that she is truly a victim. And I watched her try to manipulate me through letters, and I thought, you know. If I wasn't one step up on this, I would so be believing her. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I really did. I went into this, um, China with a very open mind, and this is what I've you know, this is what I've discovered.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're working in corrections. I see it a hundred times a day, uh, and, and you know, jokingly, I would say things like, you know, with Amy Bishop. You know, she was a great woman. She was extremely intelligent, and she was fun to talk to as long as you remember she was a cold-blooded killer.
4: Right. I'm sorry, rephrase
2: me, rephrase me Amy Bishop. Um, Amy Bishop, she's the uh, UAH shooter. She's the one that smuggled the gun into the college, and um, all of her coworkers were all sitting at the boardroom table discussing, you know, next, next year's, um, oh, tenures. And she was not among yeah. them. And she stood yes, up okay. and just started shooting everybody and her body count was was four with two additional injured. And then she calmly walks down the hall, dumps the gun, and denied she even remembered doing it.
4: Right, right, because that, that story and your story appeared at the same time in our in our true crime case filed eating.
2: Yes. Mm
3: hmm.
4: Yes. I knew the name sounded familiar. I'm sorry about that, but yes, that that was an amazing story. I mean, and I think these female killers think and I know I'm I'm positive in my heart that she Leah was thinking. Okay, they're going to believe me if I say abuse. For one thing, he was Middle Eastern. I think that played a lot into it. Um, And you know, here she is, poor little innocent Leah. The whole world is just so mean to her, and look, here she's trying to be somebody, and he's beating on her. I think that's how Mm -hmm. she thought it out. And then, like you said, you know, the the woman who shot up the the school and, you know, all these female killers that make the news, I honestly think that in their hearts and minds, they're thinking, okay, if I say it, they'll believe it. Diane Downs, you know. Yes. Um... All of these people, I think it's okay if I say it, and I'm good enough actress, they'll believe it.
2: Now, uh, if, going off on, a, on another tangent here for just a moment, do you feel that your book is going to perhaps impact the way that people see Islam as a culture today?
4: I would love it. I would love it if they did. And, you know, there is violence in every religion. There is violence in every religious text. It's part of our lives. It's part of who we are, and that's why it's there. And I would hope that people read the book and step back and say, hmm, maybe I should rethink this. And I'm wondering if the tide is not turning there anyway, because in the United States we always have to have a bad guy. You know, (laughs) for a while it was gay people. For a while it was Middle Eastern. You know, some time ago it was females. We always have to have a bad guy to be mad at. You know, for a while, you know, it's kind of hopefully tapering off. For a while, it's cops. So I'm hoping that this will kind of help people learn that, you know, there is violence everywhere. Yeah. And I'm 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 no you know I'm not by any means a, an expert in theology or Islam or Christianity or any of those, but I can tell this story.
5: No, did you get to meet her, Leah?
4: <laughs> no, she played a bunch of reindeer games, and I finally just said, you know what, this is, this is silly. And uh, she, first she played, okay, but I'll talk to you, but it has to be in front of my attorney. Okay, I can do that. Okay, I'll talk to you first, but then I'll talk to you about the book itself. And I explained to her, when we talk until you sign that agreement, Anything you tell me is not going to be, you know, um, said or written or any such thing. It's not until you sign the agreement. Okay, that's fine. Well, I don't have any money for stamps, so I can't write you. So I sent her like, you know, 20 cents. Um, You know, well, I don't, well, I don't. And finally, I said, okay, I'm sending you the agreement. I want you to read over this if you have any questions, please feel free. Sure, you can have your attorney again at i'm I'm open. She sent it back. she tore it up. She wrote on the outside, "I do not um approve this book what I'm sorry. No. <laughs> you, know. okay.
2: What kind of crap is, that? <laughs>
4: what <laughs> crap is that That's a lot of crap, buddy. <laughs> And again, in Leah's fashion, I honestly believe that she said, if I don't approve of this book, it won't get written. But I also think in the back of her mind, she's thinking, hmm, a whole book about me.
5: Yeah, she's thrilled.
4: (laughs) And that's a supposition. It really is. Yeah. But, you know, again, you get to know these people. You know, when you spend several years of your lives, being and living and, and knowing and educating yourself on, on this book, on these people, you get to know them and how they think and act. Yeah. So, what have you got planned next? Well, I can tell you I'll never do two books at once again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I've got one that I'm working on now that is about a 14 year old girl who walked up to her bullies, her alleged bullies, and said, so you want to call me names? And she stabbed herself, and subsequently died. And it's more about the whole bullicide and they were bullied so they killed themselves theme. Um, it's, It's a lot about that on the education and also definition of bullying and the history thereof. For example, this kid had um, parents who just went through hell and back in their lives. They had parents who went through hell and you know. So it's really generational. This whole bullying thing is generational for this kid.
5: Yeah. Well, this has been an amazing hour, as as always. Um, it's already been, been an hour? hour? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> time flies.
5: Our, our guest has been Judith Yates, and of course, the book is "She Is Evil," not Judith, but the book. And it's <laughs> well, the murder in it. Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today.
4: Well, thank you guys, and uh, I want everybody to be sure and check out our e-zine, True Crime Case Files. You can go to there, TrueCrimeCaseFiles.com, or to my Facebook, um, my uh, website, which is JudithAGates.com. And I want to thank you two guys for being a part of that evening. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of our, our writers and contributors. And uh, we'll just, you know, keep rolling.
2: Absolutely. I, I'll be sending you an article next week. To find out more about our show, Guests or listen to a previous show. Visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com.
3: The mission has been
2: completed. The end. By George, he's got it. It is the end. I'll
3: see you. you to me. I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.